listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Doren. You can find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. All right, today we're sitting down with Astros prospect who had a breakout 2022 season outfielder, Justin Dearden. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about, how about you guys? Uh, doing pretty well, just kind of getting wrapped up, you know, the winter and getting ready to to get into some baseball. But first thing I want to ta- ask you about, I know we talked a, l- a little while back, but how was the draft experience for you? You know, go, knowing into it, you know that the draft got cut down to just five rounds due to COVID. You, your junior year got cut short and you started the year out really well and then it could be short. So how was how was that draft experience for you? Um, certainly, um, certainly one like none other. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll ever necessarily see that again, but um, you know, going through it, um, I've never obviously been in the draft process before, so it was kind of the only one I know, but um, it was kind of bumpy um, from what I've heard. You know, it's it's typically a lot of guys calling back and forth and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of that. But um, just just from experience, you know, since I don't know any other draft process, it, it went it went smooth. It wasn't too bad. But, um, you know, unfortunately, with COVID kind of kind of maybe shot me out of the draft. So but it's OK. <laughs> And coming in, like, or more recently, uh, Astro scout Jim Stevenson has been raving about you. He's been saying, like, you know, he's known about your potential for a long time. And I know he he had that region uh, where you were drafted from, but, or sorry, where you were signed out of. Uh, but coming mm. into the draft in that time, were there other teams out there looking at you? And what did Jim really like about you that also other teams liked? Um, there was a few, there was a few organizations that reached out. Um, none of them pursued him or pursued me as much as Jim really did with the, with the Astros. But um, I think, I think what really stood out to them obviously was, was the power output throughout the, throughout this, um, my college years, you know, I was always able to put up a decent amount of OPS and, and power type numbers. So I think that's what really drawed them in um, to, to, to sign to me. So. So do you think, do you think it benefited you at all? Like being able to kind of choose the Astros, you know, they were, you were able to take offers and, and see what teams were interested in. You were able to choose which team you wanted in ultimately end up playing in the minor leagues with. Do you think that benefited you at all? Um, For sure. I mean, it's always good to have, you know, different options to your, you know, disposal and things of that nature. Um, yeah. I heard nothing but good things about the Astros that they were very analytical data driven and, you know, they weren't really necessarily talking to players about how they felt in certain swings and why they were changing it. The Astros, you know, uh, they had data to back all that up, which is, which is always good. So. It, you, you really broke out onto the scene in 2021. You didn't have a season well, the year you signed 934 OPS through 83 games, but how were you able to adjust so quickly to professional play? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's a good question. Um, I think I, I remember going from 2020 um, I think we had an instructional league that year uh, when we signed, we went down like maybe October or whatever for a little bit. And I, I just tried to absorb as much as possible from, from the coaches and, and, and people and players down there. Um, you know, 
going from going from college ball to pro ball, I think the biggest thing that I necessarily didn't see in college was was hop, at least at the level I was at, and how like the fastball can can move and rise up. So I kind of took that under my wing as much as possible, and you know, running with that and working with with um, machines that get through a lot of hop really helped shorten my swing, and um, you know, it kind of brought me where I am today, I guess. Yeah. You know, building on a, a really good 2021 season, you had a even better 2022. Made it at the AAA, and for for those that don't know, most of them probably do. But for those that don't know, uh, Justin here uh, hit 302, 942 OPS, led the system in doubles with 40, uh, 25 home runs, 101 RBIs, and 124 games. So, what changes did you make from 2021 to uh, to this past season? Yeah, I think um, I think going from the different levels and kind of experiencing different things, I think the biggest thing for me was just being more in time to the fastball. Um, you know, really being on time to that fastball helped me to actually hit the other pitches as well. Um, you know, not kind of getting caught in between or anything of that nature, but seeing seeing baseball more as you're trying to hit the ball and it's moving in different directions, but not necessarily trying to hit the pitch, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, being on time to the fast stuff and then that kind of helped me adjust to the other things as well. For sure. And kind of like that jump, that jump to the Texas league in, you know, this past season, I've heard the, you know, from like pitchers and hitters, it's probably like the toughest jump in the system going up to double a from North Carolina. Um, how do you kind of prepare yourself for that? And how do you kind of just find success early against you? You're getting closer and closer to triple a, maybe even the majors and these guys are, you know, a little bit better everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the adjustment kind of, I think kind of happened in season. Um, you know, it's kind of hard. Because I was, I was actually uh, expected to break camp at low A, or excuse me, at high A in Asheville last year. And um, the the situation had it that I was going to move up to double A to start the season. But so I was actually preparing him to go into low, uh, high A. And so there, was, there wasn't really much preparing actually going into double A. So I kind of made the adjustment a little bit late. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely a different type of ball up there. They can, they can locate the fastball. They can locate spin. You know, it's, it's definitely a different type of game up there for sure. So, so looking at uh, you know playing in Double A, and you, you were there for quite a while. It felt like we, yeah, I know me, me and Kenny talked about it a bunch. It just felt like one, you know, one of those days in the summer you're going to get promoted to Triple A, and it kept going, 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 going. And then finally, the promotion happened. Uh, had success at both levels, but Triple you know, A one step away from uh, the majors, and and I'm sure you faced some some either former major leaguers or future major leaguers in Triple A this year. So, was there a difference in the pitching that you saw between that Double A AA and Triple A level? Yeah, 100. Um, percent You know, going from from a ball to double a ball is definitely a jump. But I think, I think the harder jump was actually going from double a to triple a because they can, they can obviously locate the stuff they have, they know what's good, what's bad, but they can also use that to attack, you know, different hitters weakness. Um, so it, it made for an, a, a different challenge, not necessarily from one, from being able to hit different pitches, but being able to hit different pitches in different locations as well. So. And, lo- and looking at you know, where you're playing defensively as well, you played a lot of center field this past season. Is that where you kind of think you profile the best, you know, moving forward? Yeah, um, I think we talked a little bit with um, with different defensive coaches um, in the organization, and they they like me in center field. Um, you know, I've played a little bit of the corners. Uh, I think I, I don't even know at this point which one was which one has I've had the most time at, whether it's left or right field, honestly, but. Um, you know, I like center field the most, honestly. But um, in, in terms of profile, I guess I guess center field probably, yeah, yeah. And I think when we talked, uh, maybe I don't know if it was earlier this year or, or last year, maybe it was earlier this year. But I know you mentioned that uh, uh, speed being a 
kind of a, a key contributor to your game. I know you had 12 stolen bases and that's obviously important in center field, but is that, is that kind of one, uh, one asset that you, you take pride in is, is having the speed out in the outfield? hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I think, I think speed obviously helps, you know, in every aspect of the game, but um, mostly on defense and, you know, obviously going up in, what is it? 140 games or whatever it's going to be, you know, your hitting's not always going to be there. So being able to, you know, stay on top of your speed drills and things of that nature to to really elevate your defensive game can really make or break whether or not you're going to get a starting spot in any level. So um, definitely, definitely a big part of speed, 100%. So now that we're we're just getting into January, a few months into the offseason, uh, what have you what have you did you go into the offseason with any kind of focus of, you know, you're working on, on this or that? Was there anything specifically you're trying to improve this offseason? Um. Yeah, a little bit more defense, you know, being more aggressive and things of that nature in terms of the outfield um, for hitting, um, you know, not trying to change a whole lot. Just trying to make sure I'm being more consistent with different loading patterns and things of that nature. And like I kind of have hammered on before is being on time to that fastball, um, hammering on a lot of hop fastball machines, you know, um, and, and getting that done. But um, definitely trying to focus a lot on defense for the for the offseason this season. Yeah. And kind of like moving into spring training this year, have you kind of heard about like what your status kind of is moving into camp? I know there's non-roster invites. There's times you probably need to show up for or for minor league camp. But have you kind of heard anything about where you, where they kind of want you want to see you? Um, haven't heard anything yet. Um, I've heard that this is actually about the time they start reaching out for different things um, around January, middle probably in January. Um, I know last year with, with the lockout it was a little bit different, I believe, but um, they, they reached out kind of late. So I'm, I'm not 100% sure on what time they're supposed to reach out, but no, I haven't heard anything yet specifically, no. And kind of just one last thing, looking at, you know, this next season, you'll pro- probably start again in triple or start this year in triple A, but I know Aaron Westlake is coming up from double A to be the hitting coach, the Space Cowboys. What's that mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, a guy that's, you know, you had a lot of success with the hooks and now the coach that was there with you is now going to be with you again. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great news. Um, you know, you kind of take different things from different coaches. Pena is a phenomenal coach. Um, that was there last year and then working with Westlake a lot. Um, you know, he kind of, he kind of, he didn't go into much of my swing, but he kind of picked a little bit and helped me with different things. So, um, being able to get him again this year is, is going to be really good and hopefully we can keep it going. So, uh, just want to ask you, you mentioned working on the defense, like what, what's something that you would do in the off season to kind of work towards that besides just getting reps in the outfield and, you know, tracking fly balls, like you said, maybe being more aggressive off the bat, but what specific, like, I guess for, for people listening, even myself or Kenny, but what specific things are you doing, you know, out on the field, I guess, for, you know, to get, uh, to get better defensively? hundred percent. Um, yeah. So, uh, in St. Louis where I'm at, um, you know, it can get kind of cold. So sometimes we're not always going to be able to get it on the field. Um, obviously whenever you do, it's very valuable. So, um, in terms of just doing the smaller things, whenever, whenever I'm working on defense right now, it's typically will be in a large indoor environment. Well, typically we'll either roll depending on how I'm feeling that they roll the ball or the machine will shoot it. And I'll work on different things. Um, you know, backhand, just like infielders do, I'll do forehand with a spin like you would in right field at the corner. Um, and then for me specifically, just being able to work more aggressively to the ball straight out in front, you know, we'll hammer the machine up high, um, to shoot it at me quick and being able to work slow, um, with the glove getting down, but being aggressive feet wise to the ball, working towards the infield, um, and staying under control and, and doing a clean play that way is probably what I'm hammering out the most, I guess right now. So, so I'm sure every off season, you know, you, you take it seriously. It's your, it's your, your, you know, your career, your profession, you go from, from college to, 
uh, the season in 21 and then, and then what you had last year, but knowing that you're so close to the majors now, you know, finishing the year in triple a, like how much, how much, I guess, like focus have you put into this off season and, and, and really, you know, try to try to hone those skills. Cause you know, I mean, you played in triple a last year, had success and you know, with the, with the, I don't know if you want to call it lack of outfield death, maybe that the Astros have at the, the major league roster, you know, there's, there's a good chance that, you know, you may, may end up making a debut this year. 100%. Um, I try not to think too much about it. You know, um, obviously it's exciting. It's awesome. You know, you try and you try not to let the the talk and the noise get too much into your, what you're doing, you know, in the off season and just focusing on, you know, kind of what the coaches give you and things of that nature um, will, you know, help you get to the big leagues, no matter what team it's with, you know, obviously I would love to, to be with the Astros. They're an amazing club. They're an outstanding club, but um, you know, I try not to rest until, you know, that day eventually comes with any club. Um, but, you know, just being able to really kind of mitigate the noise and just keep working is probably the best, best thing. So one thing we kind of like to ask, cause I, I think it's uh it's good information to know, but we'd like to ask hitters that we've talked to is who so far in, in the Astros system. So not someone you faced on another team, but in the Astros <laughs> system, um, through either spring or whatever, what's the nastiest pitcher that you faced uh, so far to this this point in your career in the oh, Astro system? That's a great question. You know, the first thing that comes to mind, I remember, um, I believe it was 2020. I think it was that instruction uh, instructional league that I went down there for. And I remember facing Hunter Brown, actually. And like I said, coming from college to pro ball, that was the first time I've ever really gotten familiar with how the ball moves on a fastball, you know, with hop and things of that nature. Um, he didn't need to throw his curveball. He didn't need to throw his changeup. He didn't mm-hmm. need to throw any of those nasty pitches or his, his slider, his slider at like 94 or whatever. <laughs> Just threw three fastballs. It looked like it was going to be at my shin. It, it rose up to my knee and <laughs> Sat me down at three. It was it, just on the fastball. It, it's it's really hard to call a pitcher the nastiest thing you've ever seen with just a fastball. But he was definitely a hundred percent. It feels like Hunter like is usually like the answer for a lot of people, and it's just like you know we know about Hunter, but you know is there any other guy out there like you just like maybe an underrated guy that like you know, probably doesn't like has some nasty stuff that we don't know. Mm. From just the organization or just in general the whole the whole time. Anyone, like if you faced anyone too, just in double A AA or triple A or high mm. I would say, I guess the one that comes to mind now is Gordon Graceffo, um with the Cardinals. He's got that really big bender, um, but he has also got some hop on his fastball. So he can, he can kind of move it in different directions. He's got that hop fastball. He's kind of got that the curveball he can play off of, and he's got a pretty good changeup as well. Um, you know, he can d- easily dice you up in, in, in three different pitches like that. So I, w- I would definitely say yourself that way, 100%. Okay, now we're kind of just, you know, segue into some of these other, like, you know, fun questions, kind of get away from the baseball <laughs> and offseason. But uh, who would you say, like, your funniest teammate you've been around so far in the Astro system? Oh, man. Um, man, I would say probably Jordan Brewer. Jordan Brewer, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's an absolute goofball, man. If, if you ever get to talk to him in depth, man, he's, he's a great dude. You've played in two different times. So you got the six game series. You get the, the one scheduled day off, uh, which allows you to have some free time either with travel or whatever, which I know a lot of minor league players like that, but it probably gives you some free time as well to focus on your Netflix, your Hulu, whatever you watch. But so what's your go to TV show when you're when you're on the road, need to throw something on? Um, honestly, I'm not the biggest Netflix guy. I would say um I'm a, I try to be a big reader as much as possible. Um I'm reading the um uh in um there's a psychology book the influence 
it's called Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. Um, and it gives you a lot of different details of, of compliance and things of that nature. Um, so um, I guess the one before I remember in season I read, it's kind of hard. You know, you always want to sleep on your days off. But yeah. um, I was I was diving into the seven habits of highly effective people. That was okay. a really good one. Um, and then those have been the two I guess I've had for for a few months now. I got that <laughs> so, book sitting in, sitting in my living room. So yeah, I, I just haven't it. got into good. it yet. I'm actually, currently I'm reading uh, Can't Hurt Me. I don't know if you know who David Goggins is. Yeah. Uh, the big, yeah. big ultra runner or whatever. Pretty good book. But I know Kenny wrote this down here. I'm going to hijack his question. But is there a nickname that you go by? And I know I, I messaged you earlier in the season because some people were saying Durden and I, we, we clarified it is Dearden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there any is there any kind of nicknames that you go by? Um, I remember growing up, it's always been Dirty. Um. You know, I've never really had an explanation why they just kind of call me <laughs> dirty. Um, in pro ball, um, there hasn't been uh, one that necessarily has stuck, I guess, that I can think of, but dirty's been the one for the longest time, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of looking back on like that, those younger years, if, you know, if you didn't stick with baseball, you know, what sport would you play professionally if it wasn't baseball? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I love watching hockey. I don't know if I would necessarily be up to the challenge of playing hockey. Um, I'm not the biggest fighter, but, um, Probably hockey, I would say. I would love to. I would love to try and you know get on the ice and skate. So that'd be kind of cool. Big Blues fan. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And building off that, uh, I actually I gotta ask you this one. I know you're from the St. Louis area. You went to SEMO, but uh, I go to Mizzou right now. Um, mm. Did you grow up a Tigers fan? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Um, I didn't. Growing up, I never watched a whole lot of college ball, football, baseball. It was mostly Cardinals and Blues. Um, but yeah. <laughs> all right justin well I, I think that's all we got man i appreciate you taking the time to hop on here and, and chat with us you know, congrats on a, a phenomenal uh 2022 season as well thank you i appreciate it guys all right that's going to do it for the first segment in the next segment we're going to look back at the 2022 season and we'll get to that in just a moment and continuing on here at the astros feature podcast presented by apollo media if you enjoy the show, do us a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. The last time Kenny and I recorded was probably probably sometime back in September. Uh, so since then, the, the Astros have won the, the World Series. It feels good. This this uh, this championship just feels different than 17. It just feels like, I don't know, it kind of, I don't know, there's a different feeling to it. And I've seen some polls on, on, on which one felt more gratifying and, and something about this one feels good. Uh, but before we get into that, we just kind of want to talk about the minors and, and we haven't really recapped it. We've wrote about it. Kenny has eyes as well. Uh, but first, Kenny, the first thing I want to ask you is who was your minor league baseball player of the year for the Astros system? Yeah, it, I kind of was a toss up. There was a couple guys out there. Like I really liked David Hensley's season. I thought it was very underrated until he got to August. Like when he got to August, everyone was like, oh, who's this guy? Like been talking about him for a while. It's just really slowly building up that OPS, playing different positions. His strikeout rate was so low. Um, but you know, the guy I went with was pretty easy for me. It was Yiner Diaz. You know, he started the 2021 season in the Cleveland, Cleveland's organization in single A, climbed all the way up to uh triple A in 2022. Uh, 898 OPS between the hooks and the Space Cowboys, 22 doubles, 25 home runs. He played a little bit of first base as well. Got into the major leagues in September, didn't really see a lot of action, didn't see any action in the postseason. But, you know, Jainer is, you know, he's going to be around for, you know, a while in, the, in this organization and, you know, in the major leagues possibly next season. So uh, he really stood out to me this year. Like yeah, for it was a, yeah, it was a big season for him. You know, he kind of went from a guy that we acquired in the, the Miles Straw trade that showed some pop and, and showed some good things to a legitimate, you know, catching first base prospect. And 
from what I hear, you know, the Astros are, are they like them a lot and, and, and uh, offensively, obviously, but defensively too. So I know some people have kind of counted him out thinking maybe he's more of a first base fit, but like you mentioned, he started in low a back in, in 2021, just last year. So he's, he's made quite the, quite the climb. Um, for me, I think it has to be Justin Dearden. I know we just talked to him, 934 OPS, led the Astro system in doubles, 25 home runs, uh, more than 100 RBIs. Uh, but for the sake of the show, I did throw it on here. David Hensley would, would be who I go with. You mentioned him, 898 OPS. He drew 80 walks in 104 games. Um, and what I thought was pretty cool about that is, is you know, they, they got the automated balls and strikes down in uh, Sugarland. So he was able to to use that to his advantage and get a very good understanding of what what is and what isn't a strike. Um, and was able to use that, you know, like I said, drawing the 80, uh, 80 walks, had 30 doubles, 10 homers, stole some bases. You mentioned it played all over the field, and then he got promoted up to the Astros at one point, had an OPS of uh, of over 1,000, ended up on the playoff roster, had some World Series at bat. So uh, just a, a great season for him. And really, if you look back at you know his history, it's a great story. I think it was like a 26-round pick, and now the guy's playing in the World Series. So uh, Aledmus Diaz, it's not, you know, it doesn't look like he's coming back. So I think David Hensley, uh, right now, it looks like he's going to be the utility guy for next year, but uh, but great year for him. Most definitely. Uh, you know, with Aledmus now in Oakland, and, you know, I think David Hensley really steps into that number one spot. You got Dubon, you know, some other options on the 40-man roster. They might, probably won't even be around the whole season. It just depends. Um, but, you know, Hensley, when, I, when we went to AAA, you and I did uh, – for like the first open batting practice after spring training, we were watching and it's like never seen really Hensley up in person. He's a mm-hmm. massive dude, six, six, and he was playing third base, second, short, first, yep. just all around the diamond. And it was just like, you know, this guy might be a, you know, a quick, quick riser. You know, they didn't protect him in the rule five draft. They chose Joe Perez. Joe Perez has a lot of tools and it's, it was worth the protection, in the rule five and ended up not having the rule five draft. And I think the Astros got really lucky with that. I think David Hensley would have been taken in the rule five draft. I don't know how long it would have lasted on a, on a team, but definitely a developing team would have really liked him off the bench. Yeah, and, and now he's a guy that obviously he's on the forty man, but he's gonna he's gonna have to stay there because yeah, there's the, he would he would definitely get picked up at this point. Uh, showed plenty with the bat and with the glove last year. The, the next question I got here is the the uh, minor league pitcher of the year for the Astros system, and to state the obvious, Hunter Brown was was the best pitcher of the Ast- in the Astros system. Uh, we saw what he did at the minor league level. We saw we did uh, what he did when he got promoted. Um, he's expected to be a you know a mainstay in the rotation, if not a, a mixture between rotation and bullpen, maybe like a Javier did last year, if they wanted to kind of ease the innings down a little bit. Um, so I would uh, we know Hunter Brown was one of the best pitchers and and really in all, uh, all of minor league baseball last year. So taking him out of the equation, Kenny, who is your uh, your minor league pitcher of the year? I had to go Miguel Yola. Um, started the 2020 season in the Dominican Summer League, got to the Complex League by the end of the year. Only pitched in 10 games in 2021, but he turned it around in 2022. He's only 20 years old. Um, he posted 325 ERA over 72 innings, but he struck out 120 batters at 20 years old in professional baseball. That's a 15 strikeout per nine innings. Issued 55 walks and only three home runs in that span. Um, I think Miguel Yola is, you know, is a really underrated prospect in the Astros system, just underrated in general. And, you know, moving forward, he's definitely going to be a guy like lingering in that top 10. Yeah. And, and I think what he did last year, you, you, I mean, you watch him pitch and, and he's a starter right now. They, I mean, they use him in the bullpen as well. And I think his bullpen numbers were, were, were uh, really good. You know, he's in the, uh, the uh, piggyback system, but you watch what he does and he just, he kind of has the looks of like a, a late inning reliever. He's got that super power fastball from a, the, the small frame of his, you know, 
Um, but like you mentioned, so young, incredible, incredible strikeout numbers. Uh, I went with another 20 year old pitcher that also pitched in, uh, in low A this year, Edinson Bautista. He was a guy that wasn't very well known, probably coming into the season, finished with a 2670 RA, had 127 strikeouts, 107 innings, did pitch a little bit in high A as well. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal curveball. And if you go watch any of his highlights, any of his games, that's what's going to stand out to you. Most of his strike, uh, strikeouts are on the curveball. Not to say that his fastball isn't good either, but, um, what impressed me about him too, though, is he he went pretty deep into games. Like if you go look at his game log, it, uh, not that the Astros allow their starters to in the minors to go six, seven, eight innings all the time, but like he was a guy who consistently was hitting his five, six innings or wherever the Astros kind of capped him at. Ulola um, sometimes had had some struggles getting deep into games, but he had those insane strikeout numbers. But it was nice to see a couple young twenty year old pitchers in in, uh, in Low A and Fayetteville have some success and kind of kind of be those next guys in line, uh, you know, maybe to fall, follow behind a, a Hunter Brown, J.P. France, some uh, guys like that. Yeah, both those guys are two underrated pitchers in the system. And, you know, they were they were pitching back-to-back for the Woodpeckers this year. And there was a lot of talent, pitching talent in the Woodpeckers. Yep. Just you know, the numbers might not show it, but there, there was a lot of, you know, underrated guys down there. For Alex sure. Santos, I know, really kind of, you know, it was a bit maybe like an injury bug, some other issues back on the back end of the season. But guy who's going to have a good strikeout rate. So those are three strikeout pitchers that could be – in high A next season, maybe even reach double A by the end yep. of the year. And speaking of underrated, who was your underrated prospect of the year? All right, so there's a there's a lot of ways we could go with this, and it's hard to choose it because you know it maybe un, not underrated to us, underrated to others. But uh, I, I had like three names that popped up. The first one though that I thought of was Spencer uh, Spencer Aragetti. I talked to him last year, but. If you look at this, the the numbers on the surface, you may be a little concerned of the high ERA, but had 12.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Um, but he pitched in Nashville majority of the season, and he had some really good outings. I mean, I'm talking ones where he went five, six innings, struck out eight, nine, ten guys, didn't give up a, a run, maybe a single hit, no walks. Uh, but Nashville is a tough place to pitch. Right field, I think, is like 280 feet down the line. Left field is they're they're on a mountain in elevation. It's a tough place to pitch. He ended up getting promoted, finished strong, and, and Corpus Christi had an ERA in the threes, uh, good strikeout numbers. Fastball is is you know 97, 98 has a couple uh, good breaking pitches. So he's a guy that I think uh, if I was if I was trying to figure out who I think the breakout prospect could be next year, I think Aragetti has a, a good chance of being that guy. Yeah, definitely. I, I think Spencer, and it was him and Chase McDermott just battling for that strong strikeout numbers. Unfortunately, Chase is with Baltimore now. He was in the host or the, the trade for Trey Mancini, but mm-hmm. both those guys were like, we talked to Chase last season. It's just like those guys were button heads and yep. you know going after it. And they were really building off of each other coming out of the 2021 draft. Um, pivoting to my underrated prospect of the year. Yeah, I've been preaching it to you for a while. I don't even know if I've said it on into a microphone, but Luis Santana, like I'm I'm like on I'm on the I'm on the mountain. I'm dying on the mountain right now for Luis Santana. 858 OPS, 23 doubles, 11 home runs in 97 games. He played first base, second, third, and the corner outfielders, and he was a two-time South Atlantic League player of the month for the Asheville Tourist. Um, the guy has been very underrated to me. I know it's very wishy-washy if he's gonna have the same month every season, um, but really just posting incredible numbers to end the year. Uh, I talked to a development coach with the Taurus um, and he told me that, you know, they didn't really know if there was going to be a position for him. He didn't really fit in perfectly at these spots. And it was a little bit older in the 25, 26, 24 or 23 uh, age range. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look, when you look at the future of it, I think Santana's you know, going to start next season with the hooks, um, get back up to double A where he was in 2021 for a little bit. Um, definitely a guy to look forward to as a, you know, to, uh, like a David Hensley, just a, a little right. bit uh, less on the uh, offensive side. Yeah. And we've seen the versatility. We've talked to coaches about it. We know it's 
um, you know, the Astros aren't going to focus you on one position. Uh, the, the goal is to get to the, to get you to contribute in one way or another. Um, and a lot of the guys will tell you that they're, they're willing to play multiple positions because they know that's their best chance to make it up the big leagues. Maybe you crack a roster like David Hensley did as a, as a utility guy, and maybe you stick somewhere later, but they're going to play all over. So one other guy I want to mention who also played uh, in the outfield, played really well defensively there, played first base, second base, Joey Loperfito. Um, I believe he was a fifth round pick uh, a couple years ago. Uh, don't quote me on that. I, I know it was somewhere around that range, but ended up with 25 doubles, 12 homers, 32 stolen bases, an OPS of, uh, of 900. Uh, Drew walks, like I said, played good defense, super athletic, good left handed swing. Uh, you know, he may end up starting the year in double A, maybe in high A, maybe gets promoted double A early on, but um, he's, he's going to be a fun guy to watch. And uh, just since I mentioned his name earlier, I want to throw him out there. JP France is probably an underrated guy, too. I think he had a an ERA in the threes, good strikeout numbers. They Astros ended up moving him to the pool bin permanently. Um, and he told me that was more of, you know, where they think he would make the most immediate impact. And in the time he was put in the bullpen with Sugarland, he pitched really, really well. I think he gave up two runs in his, his last outing of the season, but prior to that, he went like at 12 outings without giving up a run, good strikeout numbers. Uh, so he's a guy that I think will, will end up maybe getting a chance to, uh, to pitch on the, you know, at the major league level this year. Jumping back to the Joey Loperfito thing, I, you can't you can't quiz me on this stuff, man. I, I know the fifth round pick was in 2021. It was Quincy Hamilton because he was taken because Logan Cerny was taken by the Phillies, and that's why I know that already. All right, well then who's well then what 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 round was Loperfito? I mean, I'll, I'll look uh, it up. But all right, well I'm gonna look it up then. Hold on, let's see. You, you play the uh, what is it the the Jeopardy music while I'm looking this up. Uh, yeah, I got it. I got it right here. Right, it's the yeah, seventh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, seventh. Okay. Yeah. Hey, so that's that's close. That's I mean, close. Yeah. He was a, he was round. A, he's a, he's a mid, mid, inside mid the 10. 10. Right. Yeah. Right. So we'll round uh, up from five to seven. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, um, Kenny, we used to do this on, on, on some of the episodes and we would do what the best thing you learned this week or this month or whatever. It's been the off season. So you can say best or you can just say one thing you learned. But so tell me either the best thing or one thing you, that you've learned uh, this off season with the Astros. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I did this. Logan Cerny was taken in the tenth round. I was wrong, but I knew Quincy was a fifth rounder. I don't okay. remember why. I I'm sure that. he'll uh, he'll forgive you. It's okay. Yeah, he'll forgive me. Uh, outfielders <laughs> are on their way. Uh, I I've been kind of preaching this for a little while, but you know, there's there's some good outfielders. I know there's not a lot of outfield depth on the forty man roster. Colin Barber, Kennedy Corona, Zach Daniels, Michael Sandel, and um, Quincy Hamilton, Jordan Brewer, Matthew Barefoot coming back from injury, Ross Adolph coming back from injury. A lot of these guys are going to be fighting for double-A, triple-A spots going into spring training. And there's a lot of you know good outfield talent sitting yeah. down there in double and triple-A moving forward. Yeah, and then you know you got Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton, who who played in low, uh, both of them played in Fayetteville last year, had had success. Uh, you know, and th- those guys are, are obviously high potential first, second round picks. So excited to see what what they can do. Uh, the one thing that I've learned this offseason, I'm not going to say it's the best thing. It's just kind of interesting. But I think the Astros pitching staff has really slept on it. And the reason I say that is once Verlander signed with the Mets, it kind of felt like, you know, oh, the Astros aren't going to be able to do what they did last year. You know, the pitching staff is really going to take a hit. And don't get me wrong, Verlander was phenomenal. But even if you take him out, the Astros' numbers are still still really freaking good. And all you're doing at this point is giving Javier a little bit more opportunity, uh, Hunter Brown maybe a chance to step in. So now I'm not taking anything away from what Justin Verlander did last year, obviously won the Cy Young. But I think the Astros' pitching staff is still going to be really, really good uh, in the 2023 season. Most definitely. There's a lot of guys in AAA too. I think my, my uh Tamara is, is really a dark horse to really just jump in the, you know, on the 40 man roster at some point and near the end of the season, maybe a September call up, you know, if he really continues right. that, he really profiles just like Christian Javier does, you know, in my opinion, just based on his numbers and the way he pitches. Um, 
but yeah, that's going to kind of do it for what we kind of learned this off season or just the season in general. But I got one quick trivia before we bounce out of yeah. here. I told, I said earlier in the show, we were talking to Justin and he went to SEMO, which is South uh, East Missouri state university. Uh, but that's not the first school he attended. The first school he attended is in Greenville, North Carolina. Do you know what school that is? Coastal Carolina. It's oh, close. Oh, Coastal Carolina is right. in South. Okay. All right. Uh, God, I just looked it up too. Cause I was, I was looking, uh, Oh, God, you're going to have to tell me. I was looking at it yesterday. Damn it. East Carolina. East Carolina. Darn it. Man, yeah. I was looking, and I, 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 right when you started mentioning, I was like, man, I think I know this because I was looking at it, <laughs> and he, he didn't play there much, and then he went to South. It was like three Missouri games. Well, but, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's all we got for this episode. Uh, appreciate everyone paying, uh, you know, uh, listening and, and uh, hopping on here with us. So please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros in the minor league system.